going to start by reading um, uh, Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 to 19. That's uh, page 628 in the Church Bibles. Daniel 9. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with all who love him and obey his commands, we have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The men of Judah and the people of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, in all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. O Lord, we and our kings, our princes and our fathers are covered with shame because we have sinned against you. The Lord is merciful and forgiving, forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Therefore, the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. You have fulfilled the words spoken against us and against our, ru- against our rulers by bringing upon us great disaster. Under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like it has been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us and we have not sought the favour of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring disaster upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does, yet we have not obeyed him. Now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand, and who made for yourself a name that endures to this day. We have sinned, we have done wrong. O Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and the iniquities of our fathers have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all those around us. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, O Lord, look with with favour upon your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, O God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, listen. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hear and act. 
For your sake, O my God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. And this is a reading from quite a different place. It's called Vespers. Little boy kneels at the foot of his bed, droops little, uh, little, droops on little hands, little gold head. Hush, hush, whisper who dares. Christopher Robin is saying his prayers. God bless mummy. I know that's right. Wasn't it fun in the bath tonight? The cold so cold and the hot so hot. Oh, God bless daddy. I quite forgot. If I open my fingers a little bit more, I can see Nanny's dressing gown on the door. It's a beautiful blue, but it hasn't a hood. Oh, God bless Nanny and make her good. Mine has a hood, and I lie in bed and pull the hood right over my head. And I shut my eyes and I curl up small. And nobody knows that I'm there at all. Oh, and thank you, God, for a lovely day. And what was the other I had to say? I've said bless Daddy, so what can it be? Oh, now I remember. God bless me. Little boy kneels at the foot of the bed, droops on little hands, little gold head. Hush, hush, whisper who dares. Christopher Robin is saying his prayers. That, of course, is the inimitable A.A. Milne. I wonder what your prayer life is like. I know that, to my shame, I sometimes have to confess that my prayers don't really get much beyond Christopher Robin's simple re- requests for blessing. Not that it's to- inappropriate to ask God for blessing like that, but we can do better. We are not children. We don't only have a child's understanding. And I think one of the best ways to improve our prayers, to deepen our relationship with God, to deepen how we interact with God, is to come to the prayers of the, of the Bible and to learn from them. It, it's good to learn from any good prayer, but the prayers in the Bible are, are there specifically to teach us how people have interacted with God, how they've come to him, how, they've, um, how they have wrestled with him. And that's what we, we'll be doing this morning. Um, so our, our, our prayers, sorry, our theme for the morning was how to get God to act or how to win an argument with God. Um, but and in particular, we're going to focus this, this on the theme of getting God to act for the spiritual state of our nation and our city, uh, very much in, in keeping with this uh, the prayer meeting coming up next week. However, I know I'm acutely conscious that there are times in life when we desperately want God to act for either ourselves or for someone we love um, in, in a much more personal way. And I'm sure that there will be some of you who are, who are in that place this morning. Much of what I'm going to be saying will apply in that more personal situation. Uh, but um, mostly, uh, but I will be focusing specifically on, on, on praying for the city and for the nation. But when we are thinking, when, when we do think about 
praying personally like that. There is a temptation that comes to us, um, which is that we try and barter with God. We try to um, strike a deal with him. Um, I will do this if only you will do that for me. Uh, If only you would do that for me, then I promise I will do this. But we need to resist that kind of thinking because it gets us nowhere with God. For what can we give to God that he needs? Or what can we offer to God that we don't already owe him? No, the way to win with God is to, is to dive deeply into, into, into appealing to his nature. And those, and those, are, those are issues and themes which apply whether we are uh, praying for the nation or for ourselves. So, um, so the outline we're going to have is we're going to look at how we come to God, coming to God. We're going to look, look at um, lessons from Daniel 9 that we've just looked at and also lessons from Isaiah 64, I think it is. Um, the... There's, there's not really great structure to this. I'm just going to go through a few, a few issues, um, a, a, a few lessons on approaching God, and then we're just going to look at, see how they're illustrated, how it works out in a couple of prayers. It's not very sophisticated, but the, the important thing is that we get to look at the prayers of the Bible and we dwell on those and, and get, let those inspire us. So coming to God. We need to come with the right act, attitude. We want to come with humility, with awe at who it is we are approaching, with a penitent heart, with sorrow for our sins, rather than proud and thinking we deserve it or our nation deserves it. or We want to come and confess our sins. The psalmist says, You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. Sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. And we need to come with honesty. Because there's no point pretending with God. Not only does he know how we're feeling, but he can take how we're feeling. If we are angry, we can express our anger. If we are depressed, he can take our depression. If we're in a black place, we can pour that blackness out on him. We need to come with faith. And we do that by reflecting in our prayers on God's character, who he is. We need to ground our requests, our wrestling with God in who God is. And in his history, in how he has shown himself, how he has acted in the past, his power, his reliability. And we need to reflect, of course, on his promises, the sure promises uh, that he has given, different kinds throughout the scriptures. And that, of course, requires that we come with understanding. We we need to understand God's agenda. What's on God's heart? What's he planning? What's he doing? What moves God? So that our appeals will appeal into the plan that God has. 
God is passionate about his own glory. He is the righteous one. He is the the only one who is worthy of honour and power and praise and glory. And he will delight in himself and in his glory. So we want to pray for his glory. We want to understand that that, that the Father is seeking to honour the Son and that the Son is seeking to honour the Father. And of course there's God's agenda in salvation. After all, he sent, the Father sent the Son. This is high on God's agenda indeed. And of course he has also a, a passion for the fatherless, the widow, the poor. So God's agenda is rooted in his character. And we need to come with understanding of our place in God's uh, story, God's plan. If you like, salvation history, where, where we are in what God is doing. Where do we stand? What promises relate to us? And particularly when you think like Old Testament ones, how do they relate to us through Jesus? So we need to come with understanding. And, you know, there are, there are depths for the most intelligent people here to, to, to dive into the Bible and to grapple with it and to understand it. Don't rest on yesterday's understanding, even less on your Sunday school teaching. Grapple with God. Grapple on. Go on. Understand the Bible. Dig deeper. Understand your place in God's unfolding story. And we need to come to God with passion. Passion for these things because these are things which are high on his heart and he wants them to be high on our heart. And come also with a scale of vision of who it is that we're approaching. Who it is we're praying to for we are praying to the almighty God. And finally, uh, well, not finally, but we also the point me, we want to come with submission. Submission to God's will. Because however passionate we are, however sure we are that what we're praying for is good, actually we don't know all. And we do want to say, uh, finally, like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, Not our will, but your will be done. Because God is the one who knows all, who knows the implications of acting now or not. So we finally and ultimately always submit ourselves to God. And, of course, all these things about coming to God and prevailing with him in prayer all depend, of course, upon us being in Christ. There... The the only way to be acceptable before God is not what we bring of ourselves, it's that we come only in Jesus. And I'll I'll come back to that theme, but it's only as a Christian that we can have any hope of being acceptable in the Holy One's sight. Okay, so those are some basic points about coming to God. Now let's see them worked out in in, in the different scriptures. Let's go back to Daniel that I read earlier and listen to his prayer again. This is uh, Daniel chapter 9. O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with all who love him and obey his commands. We have sinned and done wrong. We 
have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and princes and fathers and to all the people of the land. We see here Daniel addressing God in a way which recognizes just how great and awesome God is who he's addressing. And notice then he goes on to identify himself with his rebellious ancestors who have sinned against God. Notice he's not seeking to minimize the problem, to try and persuade God that it's not as bad as all that and that therefore he really should relent and bless. And I guess the question for us is, shouldn't we as Western Christians lament the failures of the church in the West? Couldn't we come and repent before God, corporately standing, yes, with the church and its failures, but also with our nation and our land, our culture and its failures? For do not we, for don't we share some of the same Attitude, some of the same complacencies. Daniel then goes on in the same theme for a while and he acknowledges God's righteousness and justice in his actions. Lord, you are righteous, he says, but this day we are covered with shame. The men of Judah and the people of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, in all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. Goes on for a few verses more on that. And then carrying on in verse 13. Just as, just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring disaster upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does, yet we have not obeyed him. Daniel turns to rehearsing God's past actions, especially his actions of salvation that provide the context which determines how Israel stands before God. In verse 15 he says, But now, O Lord, our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and made for yourself a name that endures to this day, we have sinned and we have done wrong. O Lord, in keeping with your righteous acts, Turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city and your holy hill. Our sins and the iniquities of our fathers have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn for all those around us. Our salvation historical context is, of course, completely different than Daniel's. We live on the other side of the incarnation, death and resurrection of Jesus. We live after the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon God's church, empowering his people and making the gospel effective in changing the hearts of rebels, rebels against God. And in making people, the Holy Spirit comes making people ready to believe and submit to the Lordship of Jesus. So Daniel here is, is, is appealing for God to act in accordance with his redemption of Israel from Egypt. We can come and appeal to God in a, to act in accordance with his redemption of sinners from sin, in accordance with his love shown in sending his son to the cross, in accordance with his power which he has shown in raising Jesus up 
from the dead. And now we come to the climax of Daniel's prayer. And as we do, listen again to his urgency. Listen to how he urges God to respond and act. He's, he's just pleading about the temporal blessings of his people. So, but how much more then should we pray urgently for the eternal destiny of the people who need God? You know, we need God to empower the gospel and we need to call out to him to act. Listen to Daniel's passion here. Verse 17. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, O Lord, look with favour on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, O God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, listen. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hear and act. For your sake, O my God, do not delay, because your city and the people bear your name. So let's ask, dare to approach God with the same kind of urgency, the same kind of passion. He can take it. Can we? Turn now to Isaiah, Isaiah 64, verses 1 to 12. If you want to look on the, in the Church Bible, that's uh, page 526. I wanted to look at another scripture, partly because this is another great prayer, and partly because it's not just a one-off prayer of Daniel's. There are prayers like this throughout Scripture. And unfortunately, I've only had time to look at two. But what great prayers. Listen to Isaiah in prayer. Isaiah 64, verse 1. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. As when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. What passion, what urgency, what a big prayer. A prayer that is in keeping with the size of his God, that he would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble. He's calling upon his God to burst into the world and to make himself known. And notice now, he then goes on, Isaiah goes on to remind God, and of course himself as well, that God is a God who acts. Verse 3. For when you did awesome things we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen, any God beside you, beside you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continue to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? So he's starting here now to, to move on to deal with their predicament, their need for God. All of us, he says, have become like one who is unclean. All our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you, are, for you have hidden your face from us and make us waste away because of our sins. Yet, O oh God, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work 
of your hand. It is appropriate to remind God that he is sovereign over us and that he has a role as our father and our sovereign. He has responsibilities, if you like. He has and Isaiah here goes on and he says he pleads for mercy. And it's based not upon demanding, any, and not, not, upon, not upon rights or, or it being appropriate, but because of crying out for mercy. And in doing so, Isaiah identifies himself with God's people, not standing separate from them in spite of their sin. Verse 9, he says... Do not be angry. Do, sorry, do not be angry beyond measure, O Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. O look upon us, we pray, for we are all your people. Your sacred cities have become a desert. Even Zion is a desert. Jerusalem, a desolation. Our holy and glorious temple, where our fathers praised you, has been burned with fire, and all that we treasured lies in ruins. Isaiah knows the place that God's people have in God's heart and he prays into that. And just like we, when we pray, can know the place the church has in the Father's heart. He has given us to the Son. We are the bride of Christ. We are we are um, Jesus' treasured possession. And God cares about our state. So therefore, when we're praying for church unity, praying for church fervor, to lift ourselves out of our, our complacency, we can cry into that, we can call into that. For that is, in God's, that is in God's heart. He cares about us, and we can appeal to that. Not because we deserve anything, we clearly don't. But because we bear his name, we bear the name of his son. As Isaiah finishes, after all this, O Lord, will you hold excuse me, will you hold yourself back? Will you keep silent? Will you punish us beyond measure? God can take a little bit of rhetoric. It's allowed to use rhetoric with God. So let us learn to pray like Daniel, like Isaiah, crying out to God to, to arise to no longer remain silent, to send revival, to bless the church, the bride of Christ. Let us come lamenting the state of our own lives, of, of the church's life, of the state of our nation, of the state of our city. Let's base our prayers on God's character, on his grace that is boundless, on his mercy which knows no end. Let's remind him of our need, identifying ourselves with our nation. This is God's agenda. This is what's on God's heart. This is God's mission. It's his plan to save people. So why wouldn't we bring ourselves in line with God's agenda, in his way of looking at things, by praying prayers that will please him? And let's get passionate. Let's throw off inappropriate British reserve or whatever it is. 
complacency. These things matter to God. He sent his son to sort it out. So let's pray down the Holy Spirit to anoint with power the preaching of the gospel here. We got next Sunday to the churches in Bristol gathering together and to, to pray for the city. What a great opportunity. When I, when I wrote this sermon, I didn't know anything about that was happening next week. So it's a great God coincidence that I get to, to talk on this theme just before next week, next, just before Pentecost Sunday. Now, some of you may find some of the prayers in the Bible a bit intimidating, that almost as though they're too perfect. I don't think that's true, but um, I, I know I have it sometimes thought that. So I'm, I'm going to read a prayer from C.H. Uh, Spurgeon, the Victorian Baptist minister, who was mightily led, used by God in in um, in London in the uh, in the second half of the. Uh, 19th century Um, and this is a bit of a long prayer but bear with me because just if you can do two things pray along with it as far as that's appropriate but also keep an ear out for his passion for how he exemplifies a lot of what we've been talking about this morning so this is a prayer that Spurgeon prayed in 1856 so uh, you know the language is a little bit flowery for our tastes today don't emulate our you know, each other's idiosyncrasies in prayer, but emulate the passion, emulate the doctrine, emulate the, the relationship with God. Come and have gained that relationship with God. So here's Spurgeon at prayer. O oh God, save thy people. Save thy people. A solemn charge has thou given to thy servant. Ah, Lord, it is too solemn for such a child. Help him, help him by thine own grace to discharge it as he ought. O Lord, let thy servant confess that he feels his prayers are not as earnest as they should be for his people's souls. That he does not preach so frequently as he ought with that fire, that energy, that true love for men's souls. But, O Lord, damn not the hearers. For the preacher's sin. Oh, destroy not the flock for the shepherd's iniquity. Have mercy on them, good Lord. Have mercy on them, O Lord. Have mercy on them. There are some of them, Father, that will not have mercy on themselves. How have we preached them and laboured for them? O God, thou knowest that I lie not. Have I not striven for them that they might be saved? But the heart is too hard for men to, for a man to melt, the soul made of iron too hard for flesh and blood to render soft. O oh God, the God of Israel, thou canst save. There is the pastor's hope, there is the minister's trust. He cannot, but thou canst, Lord. Thy will sorry, they will not come, but Thou canst make them willing in the day of thy power. They will not come unto thee that they may have life, but thou canst draw them, and then they shall run after thee. They cannot come, but thou canst give them power. For though no man cometh to the Father except the Father draw him, yet if he draw him, then he can come. Now, O Lord, we beseech thee, bless our people. Let this, our church, thy church, be still knit together in unity. And this night, may they commence a fresh era of prayer. 
They are praying people, blessed be thy name. And they pray for their minister with all their hearts. Oh Lord, help them pray more earnestly. May we wrestle in prayer more and more than ever. And besiege thy throne until thou makest Jerusalem a praise. And not only here, but everywhere. But Father, it is not, the far, it's not for the church we weep for. It's not the church that we groan for. It is the world. Oh, faithful promiser, has thou not promised thy son that he should not die in vain? Give him souls, we beseech thee, that he may be abundantly satisfied. Has thou not promised that thy church shall be increased? Oh, increase her, increase her. And has thou not promised that thy minister shall not labor in vain? For thou hast said, as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, even so shall thy word be. It shall not return to thee void. Let not the word return void tonight. But now may thy servant in the most earnest manner, with the most free, fervent heart, burning with love to his Saviour and with love to souls, preach once more the glorious gospel of the blessed God. Come, Holy Spirit, we can do nothing without thee. We solemnly invoke thee. Great Spirit of God, thou who did rest on Abraham, on Isaac, and on Jacob, thou who is in the night vision, speaketh unto the men. Spirit of the prophets, Spirit of the apostles, Spirit of the church, be thou our spirit this night, that the earth may tremble, that souls may be made to hear thy word, and that all flesh may rejoice together to praise thy name. Unto Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, the dread supreme, be everlasting praise. Amen. Amen. Let's emulate that. Let's pray with that passion. When we come and pray and wrestle with God to act, there is it's important to remind ourselves that we come, we have to come in Jesus. And fortunately, the prayer of coming to Jesus is a prayer that God always answers. All who come to me I will receive, Jesus said. So if there's any here that hasn't, haven't come to Jesus, now is a good time to do so, this morning. So come confessing your sin. Come recognising that God keeps his promises. Come with hope that you will be received. Whatever your story is, whatever you have done, whatever you've not done, all who come will be received. That's Jesus' promise. That is a promise he will keep. You've heard the prophets crying out to God for him to bring salvation. And you've seen how earnest they were because they knew how important it was. So, will any of you harden your hearts and say, this isn't for me, this isn't important? Will you stop up your ears to Jesus' kind, gracious invitation? God heard his prophets. He did act. He sent his son at great cost to the Father. At great cost to the Father, he ignored his son's cries to be spared the cost of the cross, if it was possible. Because it was not possible if he was to save sinners like you and me. God the Father considered salvation to be so important, to be that important, 
So what possible reason could be good enough to put off responding to God's gracious invitation through Jesus? All who come to me, I will receive, Jesus said. So why delay? Now is the day of salvation. Cry out to God for mercy and he will hear. He will receive you. You will find the joy of being in right relationship with your creator. And this promise is the start. It's the foundation of any relationship with God. All these lessons about prayer only kick in after we are in Christ, after we've come to him for salvation. But once you come to Jesus for salvation, there is, if I may use sexist language for a moment, real man's work to be done. There's a real heroic work for us all to do, interceding with God for others. Yes, come and find salvation for yourself, but more than that, come and join God's mission. Come and find your life's great purpose, to be co-workers with God. Come and bring salvation to others. Come and pray that God would indeed rend the heavens and come down. Come and be a prayer warrior. And may God be merciful and hear our prayers. I'd like to, uh, to lead us in prayer for our city now. Awesome and holy God, we are aware that we are coming to the creator of all, the one who holds all things together. You are the God who is unspeakably holy, in whom there is no shadow or darkness, the one who is so pure. And Lord, we are not pure. As you know, you know us completely. Lord, we only dare come through Jesus. We only dare stand before you clothed in his righteousness, for we have none worth speaking about of our own. For, as Isaiah said, all our, all our deeds are filthy rags. Oh, Lord, so we stand before you in Jesus' name, and we come and we come and pray for our church, for our city, and for our nation. Lord, individually, we're not where we should be. As a church, we know we have defects. As a city and a nation, we know we do not honour you as you should be. We do not trust you as we should. We do not even know you. Oh Lord, have mercy upon our city. Have mercy upon our land. Oh Lord, how can we wrestle with you? How can we call on you? We say, oh Lord, arise and act. If you do not act, how can there be salvation? Lord, if you do not stretch out your hand, we have no hope. So Lord, look upon us in pity. Look upon us in mercy. Look upon us, upon our nation in grace. And pour out your grace. Lord, we pray to you 
because there are amazing riches of grace in Christ Jesus. We pray to you because you are the God who is merciful. You are the God who has pity. This is your nature. This is your thing, your name. You are the God of mercy. Lord, and we cry out to you that the gospel may be powerful in our land again, that it may turn back this nation to its God. Lord, we cry out to you that you will bless the preaching of your gospel, the sharing of your gospel, because it is the gospel that lifts up Jesus. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you will lift up Jesus in our land. Lord, we call on you, we cry out to you, please act, please act, and please act even through us. Lord, we are not worthy, but use us anyway to lift up Jesus. Change us as we need to be changed. Melt us, mould us, form us into the people you want us to be, Lord. And we pray that Jesus will be lifted up, that our nation and our city will be changed. We pray, Lord, we thank you that there's a, a gathering, a prayer meeting next Sunday. And we pray, Lord, that you will, that you will stir up that you will stir us up, all your people across this city, to pray and seek your face. Give us faith as we dwell on your character and nature. Give us a vision of who it is to whom we pray, that we may pray prayers that are commensurate with your honour, commensurate with your power. O Lord, your arm is not too short to save. Your your strength has not failed you. It's not as though 21st century people because they can text each other, can't be touched by your gospel. Oh Lord, come, come and show what you can do in this our day. We know what you've done in Bristol in the past, in previous centuries. We pray that you will come and do it again, that you will come and lift Jesus up again and perhaps, Lord, do something even greater. Lord, we pray that you will act Oh Lord, do not stop your heart. Do not stop your ears. Do not, do not turn away from our cry. For if you do not act, we have no other hope. Oh Lord, hear us, we pray. Have mercy. Have mercy and ex- exalt Jesus. Amen.